All right, guys, we're back. That's it, right? There we go. That's what you say. Yeah, that's your. That's your <laughs> right. line. I hope we have a good editor. Another episode. There you go. And we're we're going. We don't, we don't have a good editor actually. Is that? Yeah. So Uncle Tom. So the first thing we wanted to talk about is obviously the Super Bowl and Tom Brady winning his seventh. How does that make you feel just with him leaving? Were you mad or like, how did you feel? I wasn't mad. I mean, I think it's obviously, it was a hot topic up here for the whole year. Right. Um, But it wasn't a surprise. I don't think anybody really follows. Right. People were like, you know, suicidal and everything like, you know, the crazy, (laughs) you know, TV 12 people, but I mean, you know, everyone knows it's a business and, you know, they didn't, they were, they didn't do well, you know, last year. Right. They, you know, they go to the playoffs and got spanked. Right. Yeah. And they didn't have anybody around them. Right? They, 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 it was a rebuilding year, right? So this would have been, I, I think, you know, we, we probably would have made the play. Say if Tom Brady stayed, uh, we would have made the playoffs. I don't know if we had all the tools to to go all the way, right? Yeah. And I think Tom Brady knew that, you, you right? Think, you think this year you would have made the playoffs? This year, we, if I think if Tom Brady was here, we would have made the playoffs. Yes. You think I, as as a division winner? Or as a wild card team, because that Bills team. Well, that's a great, no, that's a great point. Probably, I mean, probably the wild card because, you know, for twenty years it's been just ridiculous, right? But a lot of that was, you know, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and the Patriot way. But a lot of it was the the division was horrendous. Yeah, I mean, for years we had Buffalo and Miami, you know, and it was like, there's you know, guaranteed wins, right? They were terrible for how long? I mean, and so. And again, I think Tom Brady's a pretty bright guy, right? Yeah. Um, we, we're not going to have the best team this year. Buffalo, Miami, and everybody's better, right? So, you know, you know, and, and I'm sure it's like, okay, I got to see if I can make it without dad, right? Yeah. So, you know, he wanted to try. So, um, also, so was I disappointed? Old, right. Being that old, there's no point in being in a on a team that's rebuilding. Right. You want to win. You just want the time. You want, so, I mean, I think, you know, I think we're all shocked that Tampa Bay won, um, because, but <laughs> yeah. they did have the tools, right? And I think in football, um, I think coaching is the one major sport where coaching is, you know, more than half the game, like, you know, 60 to 70% of the game in football is coaching. It's, you know, reading the plays and, and, and improvising and calling the right plays and doing the right thing, right? So I think Bruce Arians is a good coach, right? So I think Brady looked at, you know, they got a good, offensive line they got good you know receivers they got a good coach this is probably my best chance right um and he went so was i disappointed yes was i surprised no um yeah so so you bring up an interesting point about coaching and i think you know a a very well-known debate um in the football world is was it belichick or was it brady is that totally solved now that like that it is Brady or is it just, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, the papers last couple of days up around here have been like, you know, the sweet revenge. Right. You know, I personally think, you know, it, it was a team effort. Right. Um, I don't think Brady would have seven Super Bowls without Bill Belichick. Right. Mm-hmm. Trivia. Who is the only person in the world that has more Super Bowl rings than Tom Brady? Oh, uh... Like a player? I didn't say player. Uh, is, is it Shula? Nope. Good guess though, but no. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Is it, Be- Bueller? Is it Belichick? The way you asked. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has eight oh. Super Bowl rings. Oh, I did not know that. So he has two with the Giants. He was an assistant coach at the Giants. Oh. Yeah. So he has two of them, six with us. He has eight. And Brady only has seven. So you could make the argument, you know. Brady has to win at least one more, um, but um, so yeah. No, I, I think coaching is important. I think so. I think Bruce, having Bruce Arians there helped Brady, right? But I think you know, I think this, you know, Arians made a comment like you know I'm letting them coach, you know, and that just caused a lot of conversation up here. Mm-hmm. It's probably a lot of truth to that. I mean, I think Belichick is very, uh, uh, very much a dictator in a positive way, like just you know yeah. this is the way and you know it's the Patriot way and. So I, I, you know, I'm sure Brady wanted to start doing a little bit more. So I mean, it was a time to move. It was like it was the right move for him. And mm-hmm. I think the Patriots could have been better and would have been better if uh, COVID wasn't here. Like we had a, you know, we had a bad stretch uh, of we lost a lot of guys for a lot of time, a few weeks in the middle. 
uh, the quarterback. I've already blanked out his name. Um, can't, yeah, he, he, I know he went to the play, he won the Super Bowl once. He came out, you know, it was the number one pick, but I mean, he doesn't move. Like, I mean, and he didn't throw the ball far. He did a couple of times, but like, yeah, you know, he just wasn't, you know, he's an NFL quarterback, but you know, he wasn't, yeah, you know, he needs to be on a worse team. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of things against the Patriots. You know, Pats had a lot of things going against them, but, you know, you can't take anything away from Brady. I mean, yeah. So, what do you, so I've been seeing all these things where it's like, oh, Tom Brady's now definitely the GOAT now that he's got seven. I, I feel like he's been the GOAT for about seven years at least. Yeah. yeah well, he's been the GOAT with number five. Um, yeah. You know, Montana has four, right? So, um, yeah, you know, you I, gotta, he's been a GOAT for a number of years. So, he's just adding on right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be doubters. So I think, you know, every time he just wins a Super Bowl, it's, you know, when you say, oh, he's definitely the GOAT now, it's just directed towards those Tom Brady haters. I'm a Tom Brady hater. I hate Tom Brady. I hate the Patriots. I just always have. I'm a Redskins, sorry, Washington football fan. Um, I'm just not, you know, I, yep. I, they're all babies. I don't know. I don't, I don't like them. But you can't deny like there, there's no conversation. I like you said since the fifth Super Bowl, there's no conversation for a better quarterback yeah. or better, you know, more dominant. Yeah, and they, they got the comebacks, all the comebacks, you know, from you know, twenty-eight to three. I mean, you know, I mean, and you yeah. know, all no, the there was no question. There's no question. There's just no question. But no, I, don't, I don't think there is. Yeah, but something interesting. He's a goat in football. He's a goat in football. There was actually a good article today at the Boston Globe. Dan Shaughnessy is one of the writers. He, he did a good, you know, and you know. Um, is he, is he the GOAT of all time, right? Like, i.e. the best athlete ever in all major sports? Yeah. And the answer is no, right? Because, you know, people, you know, you got to look at all things, all eras, right? And you look at the numbers, right? And Shaughnessy called out Bill Russell, right? To the, you know, um, he, I didn't realize this, but he won two NCAA national championships in college. Yeah. He also won a gold medal. And he won 11 out of 13, 11 NBA championships out of 13 years. And two of those years, he was also the coach and the best player on the field, on the, on the court, right? So there's not too many people that can compare to those kind of statistics when you want to talk about the greatest athlete, team athlete, you know, yeah. ever, right? So. Well, what I find super interesting is if you're not a Patriots fan, basically everybody hates Brady. What do you think the difference between him and Michael Jordan is? Because when Michael Jordan was playing, other, other, everybody understood how amazing he was and loved him for it instead of hating him. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, um, I never really, I never hated Michael Jordan. Like I never like, you know, I mean, the air, and, and I'm trying to think back. I mean, I guess he came out in, he was in the late eighties, right? I mean, he was after kind of Larry Bird. Like he was a little, he was younger than Larry Bird and yeah. Magic Johnson, right? So, I mean, after Larry Bird, which is like 92, I think was his last year. Like the Celtics were, you know, terrible or, you know, weren't, so I mean, there wasn't, you know, they weren't terrible, but like they just weren't the Celtics, right? Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it's personality. I don't know if it's, you know, just, you know, marketing, right? I mean, yeah. Um, I think a huge part of it is the, you know, the marketing side of it, because like, it was cool to be like Mike, no one like wants to be like, like Tom, Tom. No, yeah. you know, nobody wants to be like, Tom yeah, Rick. who wants to have a, you know, a beautiful model wife, and, you know, multimillionaire and, you know, sure. I mean, so like, but as far as like, you know, like Jordan's like the shoes, you know, Tom Brady's best thing is that he has a beautiful better than everyone like that but six five you know model handsome good looks you know beautiful wife yeah i don't i don't know i mean i think it's is it the nfl versus the nba like you know and again the marketing right i mean yeah football players you know they got the helmet you know and like you know it's like it's an adversarial you know it's a war you're going on a battle right even the old i don't know if you guys ever used to watch you know see there on there must be on the internet like the nfl films right you know, and and they came to war and like they had these great films that the NFL used to yeah. make. And, but it was always about going to battle and going to war. And like 
in the, you know, in the NBA was like, you know, let's play on the playground and like, let's, you know, let's, it's just the perception and the marketing and, you know, and I think the personal, the personality of, of the person, right. Look at Gronk, right. That guy's a marketing machine, right. Um, you know, most football players don't have yeah. that kind of personality that, you know, people yeah. outside of the fandom will gravitate towards. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, uh, I just don't think Brady has that personality that, you know, Michael Jordan's also way flashier than exactly. Like, like, there's, nothing, there's nothing flashy about the way Tom Brady Michael Jordan wanted to be the center of attention in every room he was in. When he went to Vegas to the casinos and the shows, he wanted to be everyone. He wanted everyone to know Michael Jordan was in the room. I don't know if Tom Brady wants, wants everyone to know he's in a room. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, I don't know that, but I just, the perception I have is that he's not after that attention. He just wants to win, right? He just wants to play football. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Is that, that's a great point. Great question. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I feel what Evan said, right. How he, he was much flashier. Like, so if like Lamar Jackson had, was Tom Brady, but he played like Lamar Jackson. Do you think then it would, it would be much closer? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think. About, However, I don't think there will ever be another, michael jordan like i don't think there will ever be yeah a world you know almost like a pop star type of act right. like michael jordan was i i don't think anybody can compare to that yeah um because he was kind of like the first of that well, and he was, yeah, he I mean, was that's known, true. yeah he was known when not everybody was known you know like now everybody knows who lebron james is but everyone knows who Kawhi is also it's not the same. We're like not not every the entire. But it's a different world with the media, right? It's a different world with the internet and like you know. Yeah. So if you want to talk about the first, you know, celebrity uh, icon, cultural icon is Arnold Palmer, it's, it's right? Like, so you could go back, Arnold Palmer in golf, right? I oh mean, yeah. In the late fifties, early sixties, you know, before my time, um, he was you know they had television, which was like they have three two hours of golf a weekend, but right. Everyone knew who Arnold Palmer was. Like my mother knew who Arnold Palmer was, right? Yeah. He sold everything, right? So it's happened before, but I think you're right. Michael Jordan had more of that personality where he wanted to be more of a star, right? Yeah. Um, and it was a different era, right? I mean, so, I mean, look at Tiger. I mean, Tiger came, you know, two generations later and like he was a cultural icon and still is kind of, but um, had his troubles, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, I guess what they want out of, the, out of life, right? Yeah. And but, yeah. but like last thing for me, at least before um, we talk about something else, but uh, what you were just saying with like personality wise, I feel like Tom Brady treats it as a job. Right. Like, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, he just wants to win. Yeah. He's just like, that's his job. Nine to five, you know, and it's him, it's maybe it's nine months of, you know, seven days a week, but you know, yeah. when he's off the field, right. Other than his endorsements, I don't think he's looking for, other yeah, opportunities yeah. to be a celebrity right no no I think michael he... jordan was going gambling and like you know yeah, absolutely you know not not, not you know which is okay he did the right thing i mean um, he made a bazillion dollars i had this conversation with one of my roommates the other day and they asked me why i think tom brady like what makes tom brady the best of all time what makes him the goat and you know what about his game makes him just like better than anyone else and for me it's it's the fact that he just knows he he knows who to throw to every single time like he's very mistake free because nope. he's definitely not the best thrower of all time you can you no. you can make the argument nope. Brett Favre. and he's not the best he's not he's never been mobile yeah never been mobile <laughs> never but i mean like he just knows how to play the game of football and yeah i think he's very smart he's very aware and like you know he can he can improvise right because he knows where guys are supposed right. to be right and he will throw the ball where they're supposed to be yeah. And they'll get there, right? He doesn't throw to any, he wasn't throw to Gronk. The pass is, you know, over the top, you know, Gronk's going to cut over. He just throws it where he should be and he's going to be there and the ball's there when he gets there. I mean, yeah. He, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's 100% his IQ. And I think that might be part of the reason why I don't think LeBron can ever get to Jordan is the difference is a huge part of LeBron's game is his IQ, understanding where everyone is, getting assists, getting rebounds, just knowing where to be. Whereas Michael Jordan, just when you needed to, to score, he could score anywhere and as much as anybody. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, but so uh, the, the next thing I wanted to talk about, Evan and uh, Uncle Tom, is I wanted to talk about just like growing up in Massachusetts and like, I know you were saying you knew uh, the Wahlberg family and just like, what was it like growing up for you in Boston? It was, it was great. I had a great life. Um, I grew up in a, in a neighborhood called Dorchester, right? So to you people, that would be Dorchester, okay? But I grew up in Dorchester, which is a neighborhood in the city of Boston. So like... New York has the boroughs of the Bronx and Brooklyn, like Boston has neighborhoods, Dorchester, South Boston, East Boston, High Park, you know, so I grew up in Dorchester in a, what we call a three-decker, which was a, a, a three-family house, so three apartments stacked, and it was the three-decker, so um, my cousins lived on the second floor for half my life, half my childhood, then they moved across the street, and my grandparents and my great aunt moved upstairs right so it was always family uh my grammar school when i went to saint peter's grammar school was uh two doors down from my house and the church was across the street so it was very much a irish catholic neighborhood um yeah and we had cousins all around you know so it was great um when i was 16 we moved to the burbs um up to quincy mass and for you people that's quincy Quincy Mass. Um, you know, I went to high school in Boston, so I used to, I took the subway. Um, we call the T. Took the T into the north end of Boston. There you go. To, there you go. You got it. Killing it. And uh, it's to, to, to Christopher Columbus High School for high school with uh, you know, and it was very much a inner city Catholic school, Central High School, and. It was interesting because, you know, South, you know, the neighborhoods had these rivalries. Everyone has rivalries, right? Um, so Dorchester and Southie were rivals, right? Um, you know, and, you know, guys from Dorchester didn't like guys from Southie and we didn't like guys from Charlestown. We didn't like guys from East Boston, but, but so there was that dynamic. Like nobody likes each other is really. Well, that was, the, you know, there's all these rivalries. Like you guys had different high schools, right? Like, you know, rival yeah. high schools and stuff. So it was just rival neighborhoods, right? And then, um, but there was also the dynamic because the uh, the North End was a very Italian neighborhood. It's like the little Italy of Boston, right? It's a very Italian neighborhood. So there were the Irish kids and Italian kids, right? There was a couple of Lithuanians thrown in there, but, you know, and but basically it was Irish and Italian. So, you know, I guess say Southie and Dorchester, you know, were rivals, but if there was an Italian kid and Irish kid had a problem. Southie and Dodgers would get together to make sure that, you know, against the not 10 kids of these Boston kids, because they were Italian, you know, so it was kind of like this whole, you know, nothing ever serious, but just rivalries, but it was great. It was a, it was a great, you know, place to grow up, you know, back mm -hmm. then. We, well, I, I went to the, we went to the busing um, in the seventies, you know, Boston had, um, you know, court ordered busing, which was the, the court ordered desegregation of schools because, Boston had a problem where there were, you know, black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods and the, the schools were neighborhood schools and for public schools, I went to Catholic private school, but the public schools were neighborhood based, right? So whatever your neighborhood was, that's the school you went to, right? And there were high schools and grammar schools all the country. And they were on, they were, um, the white schools were, had better performance and better facilities, right? Than the, the black schools. And that was a fact. Um, so the court said, you know what, we got to desegregate. So they took kids from South Boston and sent them to Roxbury. And the kids from Roxbury, they sent to Charlestown. The Charlestown kids went to East Boston. Like you had to get on buses in the morning to go to school. And it was a very bad time, violent time, whatever, like, you know, people were protesting. And um, so, you know, that was interesting. And I went to Catholic school, so we weren't bus, but we were there for all that, right? So it was kind of a, you know, a tough time, but, you know, um, people survived and people got through it, but, um, you know, it was just an interesting time, but it was fun. And, you know, as far as, you know, we had a good neighborhood. I lived in a good neighborhood. Um, you know, sports was a big part of growing up. Um, you know, it was the inner city. So like we played street hockey, right. Um, cause there was rinks that like the, uh, the state had ice skating rinks. Um, but they were few and far between. So if you want to play hockey, you played street hockey. We had, a, we had an orange ball that was like a, like a cement thing. And you would have hockey sticks had uh, plastic blades. And, you know, we just would either in the street or on the schoolyard play, you know, hockey, the, you know, check, full check, you know, no, no, no hesitation, you know, take somebody out on the, on the asphalt. So, you know, it was fun. It was good. So was Dorchester tough at that time? Was like, 
Was it an area where you? I was. I was. Let's be clear. I was a nerd. I was always been the way I am now. So I was always a nerd. But it was, it was, there was, it was tough. There were kids. There were tough kids. Yeah, there were tough, tough kids. Um, yeah. in high school, actually, I, uh, and your aunt knows this. I, uh, I dated a girl from Charlestown, right? So because it was a central school, so, so I went to a Catholic school, and first two years it was two schools, a boys' school and a girls' school. And then this, in junior year, they merged the two officially, so it became a co-ed school. So I met this girl, and I started dating this girl uh, in Charlestown. My father, who grew up in Dorchester, like just I told him, like, yeah, I'm seeing this girl, whatever. He's like, from Charlestown? He goes, okay, do not come crying to me. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, Charlestown kids are 100 times tougher than you'll ever be. Oh my they're going to kick your ass for dating one of their girls and don't come crying to me. That's funny. Well, I'm like, thanks dad. You know, but, um, <laughs> cause Charlestown had a reputation of really tough, tough kids. Like, you know, in Southie had tough kids and yeah, there was, it was a tough neighborhood, but I mean, again, our little neighborhood was, it was, it was nice. It was, it was, a, you know, a great mm -hmm. neighborhood. It changed over the years, you know, it, you know, and demographics changed. Um, and again, busing made it difficult because there were a lot of racial strife, right? But you know, overall, it was a, it was a, it was a great place to grow up. You know, I you know I still tell people there's a saying up here, OFD, right? Originally from Dorchester, and if anyone from the Boston area knows, you know, you can say, "Well, I'm OFD." Like the Wahlbergs are OFD, so they would know what that means. Tell, you know? tell us a little bit about your experience with the Wahlbergs. It sounds like you know them a little bit. Well, it's not a whole lot of experience. I mean. I knew Paul because Paul's my age. Um, so there's like 11 or nine of those kids, right? Um, Paul was my age and he was, he grew up with friends of mine that I met in high school. So I just, I met him and knew him when I was in high school. He didn't go to my high school, but I knew who he was. And, um, and then years later, um, one of my cousin's daughters married one of the Wahlbergs. Um, you know, um, so I have a cousin who's married to one of them, um, Bob Wahlberg. Um, he works for the Edison. Um, he's been in a couple of movies, but you know, he's a regular guy, good guy, but you know, so that's pretty much it. You know, I just, you know, I don't, Donnie Wahlberg and Mark Wahlberg are younger than I am. So I didn't, I didn't know them. So probably and better I, off. Yeah. I remember talking to you, was there like a stigma that they were like, like stay away from them? Like, were they tougher? Like they that? were tough. They, they, I mean, I think they were, they, uh, they were tough kids. I mean, again, I think, like some assholes but yeah uh, i mean you know whatever I mean, you know but they were tough kids i think you know they didn't take any gruff you know they you know they were tough kids um you know but paul was always funny paul was a funny kid i mean um you know obviously i i don't he's too busy to hang out with me but um you know he, he was a funny funny i just remember being wicked funny like just yeah you know in a room he would be the guy that would make everybody laugh you know but also you know he he didn't want to mess with them, you know, because you'd probably lose. <laughs> so that, that was uh, another thing we wanted to talk about. So um, Evan and I have talked about this before, where we both have the uh, New York, Massachusetts, that kind of comedy and that kind of humor. Uh, like, you know, the stigma that like everyone from Massachusetts is funny and like a lot of comedians come from there. Do you, do you think, do you have a theory on why that is? I don't know. I, I honestly don't. Um, I, you know, I, I told you I'm the funniest guy you've ever met. Um, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There are a lot of great comedians from this area. Um, yeah. You know, I think uh, like Jay Leno was probably like, you know, he was from Andover. Like, so, you know, he's done pretty well. Um, Steve, Steve Sweeney. I don't know if you guys know Steve Sweeney. He's he might be more local. He's been in a couple of a um, couple of movies, but just a funny guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just. I don't know why, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, most comedians, you know, have a, a tough, I, I've seen documentaries and in, in, in interviews of different comedians, they had a tough background or, you know, kind of did it on their own, right? Like Eddie Murphy, I think was like 17 and he was in the comedy clubs in New York, like, you know, telling, yeah. doing stand up at 17. I mean, yeah, Dave, I think Dave Chappelle was either 12 or 13 when he started in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, Crazy. yeah, I mean, um, if you go, you know, you talk about new, great New York comedians like Don Rickles, who just passed away a couple of years ago. He was like 90 something when he passed away. But like, yeah. 
you know, he was just uh, hilarious in like, you know, just talked about how in you know, the neighborhoods he grew up in and how tough it was and how to survive. And just, you know, they took that and turned it into humor, right? Just kind of yeah. tragedy into humor, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it's always fun to just go to one of those uh, stand-up, it's been a few years for me, but, you know, go to this, one of those stand-up clubs and those guys just riff, like they just kind of, and like they love it when they, when you, when heck, people heckle them. Yeah, because it's like it just makes their job so much easier because these people who heckle them are outclassed, you know, like and I want like you always want to say to these guys like, you know, this guy does this for a living. Like, yeah, he insults people for a living mm-hmm. and like you're you work on the subway like what like you're a telephone worker or you're an, you know, it's like, what are you thinking? Like this guy's going to eat you alive, you know, and but it's always fun. It's fun, you know, but yeah. Yeah. So who would you say your favorite comedian is? um that's a good question i mean i was always a big fan of don rickles back in you know i just just loved his type of insulting humor right yeah Um, yeah. i've seen every interview of his because my my dad's watching him and he's like he's a little old for you how do you how'd you even hear it and i don't know how i heard about him but he's yeah he was amazing but he he, because he would insult everybody like he had no bias like he's just and then he always knew he was just a joke right it was just a joke um so i enjoyed that i think jerry seinfeld is great um, I just, you know, his, his, I just love his observational humor. Right. Cause yeah. You know, cause you know, his whole shtick on the show, the Seinfeld show, I don't know if you guys have watched that a lot, but um, in every episode about three times. So you have, yeah. It, 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 Seinfeld was like such a huge part of my life growing up. I used to have a pet turtle in my room and I named him Jay Speederman was, uh, <laughs> so. which is a real catalog by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it, it, it like shaped my humor. So that's where most of mine comes from. So yeah, no, I think he was. I mean, just he was just the observational humor, like just was, was just great, you know. And mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of his documentaries of how he got started, like just writing notes and entertaining his, you know, his 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 family. I think Billy Crystal is a funny guy, um, you know, more of an actor, I guess. But he started as, as a stand-up comedian and just again, just you know taking life situations and like you know making them funny right and mm-hmm. um even stuff that like you know should be taboo or people think is taboo really you know you got to joke about everything right it's just you know and yeah i always uh jerry seinfeld had that uh comedians in cars getting coffee yeah you know, i love just that. talking yeah. to other comedians about what's funny yeah and why is it funny and like why do some people get upset when we make jokes about things right and you know, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but you know, so it just, nothing, nothing should be off the table. Right. I mean, yeah. we could talk about Griffin's haircut right now. I mean, I mean, that's kind of tragic, but we could, we could talk about your lack of haircut. What about the lack of haircut on the top? How about that one? How about that? Well, either one, either one. I mean, yeah. Know. So and the fact how Griffin can blush so easily when someone makes, you know, makes fun of him, you know, okay. I'm not, you've seen my <laughs> face has been red. this red the whole time. Red, it's not blush. Yeah. <laughs> It's not my fault that I immediately came straight from like the worst Viking ever. I'm just red. I have nothing <laughs> cool about me, but I'm red. That's all I got. You never had the nickname Red, though. You never had the nickname Red, you know. No. I, yeah, people just call me Gingerbread and Ginger and stuff like that. Uh, those I had an red. uncle who was, who was he was Red Davis. He was Red. They called him Red. Really? Yeah. I think, I think what it is is because my hair is, it's not like that crazy bright reddish orange it's just like normal orange i think that's the reason but yeah what were you gonna say ev who is your favorite comedian because i know like you follow a lot of comedians you know a good amount of them like who would you say your favorite is uh i think it's dave Chappelle for the same reason that i love don rickles because he him and bill burr are really the two who they're the top of bill burr, another boston another boston guy yeah yeah that those two they're still making fun of everyone the same way that don rickles was and it, it's everything right they talk about um every race every religion they talk about gay people you know transgender they talk about everything and they don't worry about the backlash because they're so good at it that there isn't any or if there is right. and, 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 and i don't think they mean and they're not being um you know they're not and again they're not racist or, or bigoted or whatever it's just yeah. there's again it's just finding the funny in everything yeah yeah, yeah they're, just no, yeah, they're just noticing it, what's know. wrong or yeah exactly right 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 or it's different for me right or whatever yeah so um 
Yeah, Dave Chappelle, he's another interesting guy. Like, I saw him, I don't know if it was on 60 Minutes or maybe it was, uh, oh, it was David Letterman um, on Netflix. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and his his his, grown, his background was interesting, like completely middle class, normal, you know, in Ohio or somewhere I forget where, but like this small, oh, I don't maybe it's down south, whatever, small it was, town, America, yeah, Washington, somewhere in Washington D.C. Yeah, it was yeah. yeah, but it was like just this small town, America, and like he still lives there, and like yeah. he's like I didn't people didn't know they didn't they didn't know I was black, I was just Dave, like and like and you know and it's like and it was just he loves that town, he's raising his kids in that town, and like going back to my point of like here's a comedian who's very uh cutting edge and very you know you know just acerbic and like you know you think oh my god this guy had tragedy he turns it into like no he grew up in middle america like in a yeah. normal house and like you know and he's very very biting right and very obviously you know you know his his humor is focuses on the, the the plight which is valid of the of the of black america right i mean just the unfairness and the obstacles that they face that you know people that look like us can't comprehend right um, yeah and he brings it up so that you know people can talk about it. But another very funny guy and very smart guy, right? It's another thing too. I think, I think comedians, you got to be really smart. Yeah, you know, I don't think people I, understand that. Yeah, right. I think you've got to be a high level of intelligence to be really funny. Yeah. Um, e even the even like like Cat Williams, he doesn't come off as intelligent, but you know he's so much smarter than everyone watching him because. They couldn't do it. First off, they don't have the confidence to go up and do it. And then right, secondly, right. they couldn't write what he's. Well, yeah, he's all the writing and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, you know, the, the comebacks and the wit, like you, it's now another one, not a, not a comedian, but a funny guy. We'll go back to the sports thing is Gronk. Like, I think he's brilliant because he comes off as this dopey football player. Like, Hey, you know, like, yeah. And I think it's a fact he has not, spent a dime of his nfl paychecks really I mean, I, so, so like he, he he took his endorsement money he lives off that invested that now he's you know he's making a ton of money i think he's a very shrewd businessman very smart businessman but he comes off as this dopey jock right but i think he's funny and i think he's articulate and i think he knows exactly what he's doing right and i think again that wit and that funny like thing is he, he's a lot smarter than i think people give him credit for right because i think you have to be smart you know to be as good as at, football aside just his his shtick his persona that he's monetized yeah. you know in, 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 in everything right um so I just think you got to be a lot. Comedians have to be really smart, and people don't realize that that they're smart people, very smart yeah. people. I wit, I understand wit, I that. Hand hand with intelligence, and I mean, like, just like the 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 ability to have like a dry, sarcastic sense of humor. You can't just, you know, that totally takes a level of like being able to understand, like self awareness, intelligence. I think there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah, yeah. and the improvisation, like those guys improvise, improvise. Um, you know improv yeah i mean that you gotta i mean okay here's here's here's, here's a coaster and a pen figure it out <laughs> be funny yeah i mean yeah. I, well, I can't do that you know that, that's like i when i really completely understood how smart they were was when i started watching curb your enthusiasm which is oh like, yeah that's Another larry david's show, yeah. show who also wrote seinfeld so i he's think george he's george yeah, I think he has to be the best comedic writer, in my opinion, because... Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, great. To be able to write two shows like that, where Curb Your Enthusiasm isn't as big, it's nowhere near Seinfeld, right? But if you were a fan of Seinfeld, you you will be a fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's just a fact, because yeah, it's the yeah, same yeah. observational... Where it's like, there is... I was watching the very beginning scene, he's walking down the street with his friend, and they're talking. And someone has one of those selfie sticks and they're taking a picture with their girlfriend or whatever. And he takes it, snaps it on his leg and just tosses it behind him and keeps walking. And then there's just a line of, you know, those um, motorized scooters. He just pushes over the entire thing. It just falls like dominoes <laughs> and he just keeps walking. And like, that's exact. That's what everybody wants to do. Like those things are so right, dumb, right. you know? Right, exactly so, right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's what we all, we're all thinking it. 
we just yeah, don't do it or say it out loud. And these, guys, yeah. and these guys say it out loud, right? And yeah. yeah. So the other thing a very good show. He's a smart guy. What's crazy about that show too is that he just writes an outline. So he doesn't write dialogue. That's all improv. It's all improv from, that's why it's all comedians, right? He only has comedians yeah, on yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah, because yeah. he just says, uh, you have to bring up that your dad is moving into the house. And then the rest of the scene is just, they're figuring out how to be funny and- Improv, I, yeah. It's incredible, you know? Yeah. Actually, you reminded me, um, let me talk about improv. Two people, two comedians, Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. And Jonathan Winters. So I don't know if you guys know who Jonathan Winters was. Mm-mm. He was uh, Robin Williams' idol. So Jonathan Winters, you should look him up. Do on YouTube. He's all over YouTube. He had these characters, and he would again just make stuff up, right? And he would just unbelievable. So great, great improv. And but Robin Williams was in a class by himself. You talk about great comedians. Oh yeah. I mean. You watch some of his stuff, it's all improv. Just like Mork and Mindy, I don't know if you remember that show, like that was his first big break. He was on this sitcom in the in the in the early 80s mm-hmm. where he was Mork from uh, Mork from Ork, like a space alien came and lived in America, you know, lived in the uh, on Earth. And again, you talk about the dialogue, there was no script. Like other the other actors in the sitcom had the premise. And they would have dialogue, you know, hi dad, come on in, want a cup of coffee, whatever. And it was just Robin on the script. They would write Robin time. That's crazy. Oh my God. The show was off like five years. Wow. And yeah. he never wrote, they never had a script, never had a script. That's crazy. Um, yeah. And then you see him in a movie where he wins an Oscar or something because, you know, he's just a great actor. He's just a talented guy, but yeah, just okay. unbelievable. But Jonathan Winters, he, he, there's actually a thing on YouTube. when They were both on the tonight show as guests. It's like 20 minutes of just hilarity. Look it up on YouTube. It's just, Jonathan, and you can just say things. Hey, Jonathan, here's a, here's a coaster and a pen. And he would have a story about uh, the settlers crossing America in the Conestoga wagons. And all they had was a coaster and a pen. And like they attacked, the Indians attacked. He used the pen. And like, it just, he was just incredibly a, a genius with improv. So another, another great comedian. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. so uh, that reminded me um, when you were saying how Robin Williams was a great actor. So I was just, I watched Goodwill Hunting a few weeks ago and there, there are so many movies where they use um, Boston and just all like a lot of neighborhoods in Massachusetts. I, I know they filmed some of one of Mark Wahlberg's movies in Dorchester. The Potter, the Potter was filmed in Boston. Is there some sort of pride or, like, is it just super cool to see that kind of stuff and be like, oh my God, like I've walked down that street? That's, that has to do with money. Um, Massachusetts passed a law a couple of years ago to give movie companies deals to come and make movies. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, I asked your mother about how the movie business works. Um, so they, you know, probably, probably in the last 20 years or so, they've decided to film a lot of movies in Massachusetts because they gave them tax breaks and, you know, made it worth their while to come film. Is it there? Um, Jennifer Lawrence and Leonardo DiCaprio are here right now filming a Netflix movie. Um, oh, really? Like Mark, yeah, Mark Wahlberg did a Spencer movie. It was a Netflix movie. He filmed it here. Oh, that was a great um, movie. Yeah, The Departed was filmed here. That was a great movie. Um, um, trying to think what else. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few of them. Yeah. Um, oh, Good Will Hunting obviously was filmed here because yeah. the, the two kids were from Cambridge. Um, Matt Damon and the other guy there. Um, Affleck. But. Affleck, yeah. Your mother used to joke that that was me and my friends, by the way. <laughs> so, who was the smart one? I was. Okay, good. <laughs> Nobody wants to be Ben Affleck in the movie. That's all. No, no. no. <laughs> so, um, what would you say, like, makes Boston? What's What's the best part about Boston? Boston is a is 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 a is a great big little city, right? Boston is just it's just very small but uh, just a great culture and it just, it offers so much, right? When you, when you think about the economy and culture and education, it has everything, right? We have the best universities in the world. We have the best hospitals in the world. We have great biotech. The mutual fund industry was invented here, right? Um, you know, and it just, you know, has, you know, 
the Irish culture and the Italian culture, just the immigrant culture. It has the immigrant culture. It just, it just has a lot of great things. It has great sports teams. I don't know if you realize we have more championships in the past 20 years than any other city in the world, you know? So it just has a lot to offer, you know? And it's, it's not huge. So it's just a small, compared to New York and Chicago, I mean, it's like a oh, neighborhood. I yeah. mean, you know, but it's just has, it's just a world leader and it just has so much. Basically, Evan, what it is, is if you were born in Massachusetts, you're just a winner and that's it. Pretty much. That's how it works. But, you know, so you grew. Uh, I, I was born in Belmont, right? My mom was telling me this, the most Belmont is Belmont, Massachusetts is where the most famous people have been born. So I'm the next one. That's all I'm saying. That's according to his mother evan his mother tells him that yeah. no well the reason the reason is because um it doesn't actually have a hospital so there there's only one hospital near a bunch of those neighborhoods so they all go to that place so it just there i think it's mount Auburn. mount Auburn. i think yeah i think it's just because there are more neighborhoods and because again massachusetts people we're just winners that's just how it is i can't argue with them evan i can't argue with them <laughs> Yeah, now we have to get into our favorite part of the podcast, which is what's been annoying you? <laughs> you know, Evan's, Evan's uh, shirt hanging on the wall over there. But um, what's been annoying me is, uh, is the, uh, I can talk about the orange man now, just the whole huh. political situation and the polarization. And um, it's just, it's really, it's disheartening of what we've gone through in the past four years and the last year in particular, right? I mean, COVID is terrible and just terrible, but the fact that we're so polarized and we cannot even talk to each other about what's the right thing to do, right? Yeah. Um, so that's what's annoying me right now is just that we're going through this process and it continues on, right? The impeachment started today and, you know, like, yeah, what happened on, on January 6th is just a summation of, of, of what's been happening over the past, you know, 10 years, whatever, as far as the polarization and the, the fact that we can't come together and just compromise, right? Um, it just, it's not good for the country. It's just not good for anybody, right? So these politicians are gonna, gonna talk. I mean, if you, if you look back, I mean, it took so long for the second stimulus to come out, right? Whether you want a stimulus or not, like people needed it, right? And it took nine months, right? Now we want a third one and it's like, we got to, you know, like, what's the right thing to do? Like, what's the right thing to do? Forget about your politics, forget about what's best for you. What's the right thing to do? It's to feed people and make sure people don't lose their house. You know, and I'm not a bleeding heart liberal, but like, it's a horrible time we're going through. Like, and the fact that, you know, the Republicans and Democrats can't get together and just figure it out, right? Recommendation for you both is find the, uh, auto, the autobiography of Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill was the Speaker of the House. He was a congressman from Massachusetts, from Cambridge. And he was the Speaker of the House when Ronald Reagan was the president. And there were not two people more diametrically opposed politically and uh, personality-wise than those two men, than Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. And if you look back at the Reagan presidency, you see how much stuff got done, right? And it was because they worked together and they compromised and they figured out what was best, right? So I, I highly recommend you read the, the, the Tip O'Neill autobiography because he talks about how the benefit of, of how Congress and the legislature should work and how government should work for the people, right? Because all politics is local is, is one of his sayings. And it just, if you look at the, the time today, the, the times that you guys have grown up and how polarized it is from the tea party and like the, the QAnon and all these craziness that you know and the democrats who won't you know won't even talk to the republicans it's crazy how we should work together and listen to somebody right so i may disagree with you but i gotta listen to you and i gotta give you a chance to speak because maybe you'll change my mind maybe you won't but i should let you talk right we're at the point where we're not letting the other person talk yeah. We're not even listening. And I think a lot of it is has to do with how social media, which we didn't have until 10 years ago, right? All the stuff that you guys have understand is, is a way of life didn't exist 10 years ago. So if you look at, you, you get your feeds and all your stuff and all your information and you click and you look through, 
Well, the more you click through, the more you're going to see the same message. Right? Yeah. So eventually, that's all you see is that one side of the story. You don't look at the other side, right? So you look at the whole Trump situation, like people cannot understand who are, who are follow Donald Trump, why people don't love Donald Trump. Look at all the great stuff he's done. I read it every day. It's in my feed. Yeah. All this great stuff. It's great. And there are people that are against Donald Trump and can't understand how people could support Donald Trump. Don't they read what I'm reading? Like all the stuff he's done is so bad. Like, but they don't, they don't look to, you know, they don't look at the other side. So that's what annoys me is that people aren't listening to the other side. Because yeah. the only way you're going to solve a problem is to is to understand all sides and make the right decision, right? So yeah, that, that's a great point. Because well, I think again, just adding on is the issue is that it's no longer just Democrat and Republican. It's really more just liberal and conservative who are right. in office, and that's the issue. Is because the liberal and conservative people they don't listen, and they're very emotional about about the issues, whereas the moderates and the normal Democrats, the normal Republicans right. can see eye to eye. And they, that's why it, this used to work. And now it's not another right. thing. That, yeah, good. What, what's what annoyed me about this whole COVID thing was that how, how was wearing a mask? How did that become a political statement? Again, you, you go on, cause I read all the stuff I get on my feed told me it's, it's, it's bullshit. Right. It's I, I read a thing on Twitter and I read a thing on, you know, uh, Fox and I read a thing on, you know, whatever that, you know, it's, it's not true. This I read all these facts. So it's, it's not true. So that's just the government trying to tell me what to do. So I'm not going to listen because it's so my Twitter feed told me I, I read 17 articles. By guys named Joe that said masks don't work. Who's Fauci? I mean, I, not one of my feeds that I read was Anthony Fauci quoted. So obviously he's not an authority because I don't read, he's not on my feed. That's where I get in the point where you get so caught up in your side of the story, you don't listen to the facts, right? Yeah. Or you won't even get, consider the facts, right? So the, the, the far right, they just didn't believe Fauci and those guys and those that, that the science was real. So it's like, it's just, why would I do that? It, you know, so it's, it, it, that's the craziness. That's what annoys me. That's the craziness. I mean, I also think, you know, Fauci, who is, you know, this leading guy who is supposed to know all this stuff, it, you know, are the president of the United States was saying everything that he, that, you know, Fauci was saying wasn't true. So exactly. these, people who worship, these people who worship Trump, like he's God, aren't going to listen to whatever Fauci says. They think the exact opposite of what he's saying is true. And, whatnot so again like this division it just doesn't help the country and i think also something that isn't moving this country forward um and keeps us divided and you know it doesn't push us to make a cohesive decision is just this like ethnocentrism that americans have that america is the best country and there's no one better than us when in reality like we're so far behind other countries in like academia and medicine and all this stuff and um, it, it scares me that people don't realize that and they just have this idea that Americans are the best at everything, yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, yeah. No, and again, you know, and think about, you know, the immigrant situation, right? Like, we don't want these immigrants to come in because, you know, like, you know, rapists and drug dealers, right? I mean, I don't know where you're from, Evan. I don't even know your last name, but like, none of us have ancestors who were born here. Yeah. Um, we all came off a boat or a plane. You know, so, um, you know, and again, my grandparents came off the boat, right? I grew up in an immigrant household, right? So, you know, Donald Trump's mother was an immigrant. She was bo born and raised in Scotland, right? Uh, two of his three wives were immigrants, um, you know? So it's like, I don't understand that. Like, you know, like, you know, to your point, like you gotta take the best and listen to other people. So the reason America is as great as it is is because it has been a melting pot, right? Yeah. Um, Every, everyone, every idea we came, every great idea and business and scientific breakthrough was, came from the children of immigrants. Every single one. Every great thing that happened in America was because of the children of immigrants were able to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, we do have this persona in other, other countries like we're arrogant and you know, we don't listen and you know, 
Trump made it worse for four years, right? Um, so I, I don't envy uh, Biden in what he has to fix. You know, yeah. he, has, he has to fix the, the COVID, he has to fix the economy, he has to fix, you know, social justice, and he has to fix in all the stuff that Trump broke um, as far as relationship with other countries and the EPA and just craziness, but, you know, don't get me going. Yeah, well, just uh, we let's talk about something else that annoys us because uh, I don't want to talk about politics for too long. But just real quick, just the last thing is uh, obviously, right? I go to um, Virginia Tech, so there are conservative people and there are people who are Republican and agree with Trump. And one of the most annoying things someone's ever said to me was it was Biden's first day of office, and they were already talking about all these terrible things he's done. You. As a president, nothing, you don't get to do anything for like six months. The first six months, it was the other president that the issues are from him, if not even longer than that. So it, I don't understand how they immediately like, oh, he's ruining everything. I'm like, he just sat down, right? He, he just yeah, sat down yeah. in the office. So I don't know what to tell you. That goes back to my point. People don't want to hear the other side. They don't want to give people a chance, right? Um, yeah. You, know, you, you, you got to, at some point, you got to say, well, good luck. You know, I wish you the best and good luck. I mean, you just can't even because you can try to convince them and, you know, you, you should, you know, you, you, but it's just, you know, good luck. Um, yeah. So that is annoying. I agree. That is annoying. Yeah. You know, and, and the good news is we haven't been hearing about the size of the uh, crowd at the inauguration, right? That hasn't been a topic. So true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. But just before we go off of that, I just like to say uh, my family was there for Obama. And we, <laughs> I remember this, and we couldn't move. So I'm just gonna say Trump definitely didn't out. There were not more people there. That's all I'm gonna say because I could have I could have run laps around the people there. So yeah, I remember your mother telling the story like she had a little panic attack because it was so crowded that day. Yeah, yeah, we got off, we got off the train and that was it. There was no moving. We, we were like watching a screen of him talking because they just set screens up everywhere because it was like, this is it. This is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is So with COVID and being home all the time, I know uh, my dad, definitely, there's definitely some annoying times, but I guess you don't have Bridget or Colleen in the house. So is it actually kind of nice? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually okay. Um, we, so we had Bridget over the summer. Um, yeah. She had to come home from Ireland early from because uh, of COVID, uh, she was uh, had a semester abroad. So there was, and we just moved to the condo. So we have a condo now, Evan. We had a house, you know, four bedroom colonial in the suburbs and downsized right before the uh, COVID. So it was three of us in the condo, which was tough for Bridget really, I think, because I have a little office set up here in the bedroom. I'm in the corner, you know, and I have my stuff set up on my desk and I work here. My wife has worked from home for 15 years. So she is, was working on the, at, at the, you know, the kitchen table. And Bridgie st stayed in a room for, you know, four months because, you know, we're both working. She had schoolwork, you know, so it was, it was tough on her, I think, you know, because she was kind of stuck in the room and she could come out and see her parents and that was about it. <laughs> um, but she went back to school in September. So, you know, it's, it's working out fine for us. I mean, you know, Kathy and I, we go for walks every day. Like, so we live in downtown Boston, Evan, right, right uh, near the Boston Garden where the Celtics and Bruins play. And so we go for walks every day and, you know, so we get out, but uh, we don't, we haven't been to restaurants. We haven't, you know, had, I, I don't, I haven't gone to my mother's, um, you know, in months, right. I talk to her every day on the phone, but um, you know, just, we're just waiting for the vaccines, you know, and so we've been fine, you know, Kathy, she puts up with me. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we say I'm fully vaccinated now. I got, That's my, awesome. got my second shot last Wednesday. Um, yeah, it hit me hard. Second Did it really? Second vaccine is legit. I will say that. Um, I work at a school um, here in Reston. Um, and so all the staff at the school was able to get the vaccine. Which oh, very good. Yeah. So, yeah, Bridgie got, I think, her first one. She got her first one. I don't know if she's got her second one yet because she's a nursing student. Okay. She got, she felt the first one, like for probably for 24 hours. She said she was felt like a really, you know, tough flu, but, you know, so. Yeah. My mother and my aunt, actually, uh, my mother's 87, my aunt's 91. Gotcha. Uh, they're going Sunday uh, to Gillette Stadium to get their first shot. Yeah, they so, opened up all the stadiums, so that's yeah. awesome. So, awesome. as she, as my mother says, with the help of God, I'll be alive, and I can get it, I can get it, you know. 
Right. My aunt's been saying for years she doesn't buy green bananas because you know she doesn't know if she'll be there when they ripen. You know. Oh my god. Oh my god. You know the Irish. They're they're cold. They're tough. Yeah. Um. So I. How long have you been on your like workout regimen and like the diet? Because my mom was saying I was talking to her, telling her um how we were doing this, and she was like, "Oh, tell him how he looks like a teenager." And I was like, <laughs> "All right, I'll let him know." Yeah. I, uh, so I probably both at least three years now, um, I lost 50 pounds over, you know, a course of like, you know, a year and a half or so. And I work out every day and just, you know, um, just trying to live to be 90 without, uh, you know, peeing my pants and, you know, changing a diaper, you know, just want to be able to move and function. So, yeah. So, and actually we moved here, we moved to the condo. There's a great gym as part of the complex. Right. And uh, I just go down the stairs to the garage, boop. And the, the gym itself is actually run by Mass General Hospital because we live right next to Mass General Hospital. And so it was a great, it was older, like it wasn't like, you know, it's kind of, I won't say run down, but all the equipment was great, ton of equipment, kind of weights. And I, it was great. I was going every day. And then COVID came. So I, I stopped that. Um, you know, they were closed for a long time. So now I just work out here. Like I have a, a, a Bowflex machine. The Griffin's actually, I think, I think you've tried it once. Um, I did. Um, but I use, uh, I just do a bunch of core stuff and, you know, I have, I bought like for weights, I bought the rubber bands cause I'm an old man and I don't want to drop a dumbbell on my toe, um, which works, works out pretty well. So yeah, no, I've been doing it and I do something every day. Um, I set up my bike on the balcony with, uh, you know, just my regular bike with a, with a rack so I can, in the, in the nice weather, I just ride the bike for an hour, you know, you know, and yeah, so it's good. I just, you know, I just want to stay healthy and, you know, you know, what does, uh, what does the diet consist of? So um, it's not a real diet other than a change. So uh, um, eat food, mostly plants, not too much. Gotcha. And meat's okay. So um, that's pretty much it. So if you eat more whole foods and less processed food, right? Because um, you could get me going. Um, the, the, the Western diet is just horrific for our bodies. Everything the government has told us since 1970 and the food companies have provided us is, is wrong. Um, so, you know, you gotta eat the right thing. So you eat a lot of whole foods. So eat food that is a plant and not food that comes from a plant, i.e. a manufacturing plant. If it comes in a box or a bag, it's probably bad, right? Um, so I eat a lot more vegetables and fruit than I ever did. Don't eat a whole lot of meat anymore. I still eat meat, but not a whole lot. Um, and uh, I, I juice, like I have a juicer and I, I, we buy like 50 bucks worth of fruits and vegetables and I juice, I have a juice every day and just really eat whole foods, just, you know, and sugar. Sugar is hard for you, horrible for you. Um, and again, the Western diet, like a man, a normal sized man should probably have no more than like nine, nine teaspoons a day or tablespoons of sugar a day. And a woman should have six. If you have a Coke, you have like 20. Oh, so that's just one Coke, right? So then you think about all the other foods and all the non-fat foods you get that are healthy. Yeah. They just take all the fat out, which is actually beneficial, you know, and, but then that's the flavor. So what they've done is they put a lot of sugar in it. So if you read the label and it's anything that's added sugar, like look at the sugar and that was added sugar. You know, the average American consumes like 50 teaspoons of sugar a day. Um, just and not even taking a, a spoonful of sugar and putting your tea like that's just the food we eat because it's all processed mm -hmm. and no matter what you do if you exercise you're still going to that's going to cause inflammation and cause problems so I just I, i'll stop ranting but um whole foods mostly plants you know cook it yourself if you can um and that helps you know and it it does it just it's amazing how the human body can react because you know you, you know, you guys aren't there yet, but you'll get there where every, every pound you gain is going to be in your middle. And that's just because of the food we eat. Um, and once you stop eating that, it really just melts, melts away. Um, yeah. Some of my pants were size 40 waist. Um, I wear 32 now. Holy, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I had to get all new clothes and Auntie Kathy was kind of mad, but. Um, <laughs> so, Making her spend money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm trying I'm starting a new routine, which I'm calling my, uh, the workout. I'm calling like a my Viking workout because I got it from I don't know if you guys have seen the show Vikings. 
uh, it's a great show if you haven't. If you like, it's kind of like Game of Thrones ish, but then just make the Vikings. But um, okay, yeah, yeah. So my routine, I just started yesterday, but I have a gym slot for each day this week, which is annoying because because of COVID, there you can't, there aren't as many people allowed in the gym, and right, you right, have right. to have a specific time slot, and you have to sign up like they're only like three days in advance. So like at, at 12 o'clock at night, each night, I have to sign up for the following wow. third day or whatever. So one, one, one comment it just, and again, I'm 56. So I'm an old man, right? And you guys aren't right. Um, and I used to lift, I used to, you know, when I was in high school and college, I used to, you know, have, you go to the gym and lift and it's your body diet. weight is, is, is a pretty good weight. So I recommend do, if you do push-ups every day, you know, if you could, you know, maybe you guys are you're young and in shape, you know, do 20 push-ups, do 10 push-ups every day, every day. And, you know, then you'll do, you know, 21 push-ups, 23 push-ups, like, so, and then do, you know, do work your core, right? You know, do planks and, you know, different things for your core. Pull-ups, you know, I do pull-ups, you know, just, if you do that every day and it doesn't take a long time, I mean, it's amazing how your body will improve uh, just yeah. from that, right? So it, it, I only say that it, it, it makes it a lot simpler, right? Mm -hmm. Especially now, if you're going through time slots, get up at midnight to get a slot. Like if you can't get a slot, just do some basic calisthenics, they used to call them. Yeah. And it really makes a difference. Um, yeah. And, I, and it pisses me off, Griffin, because your uncle said that 30 years ago. And I was like, he's like, you just do push-ups, Uncle Chris. You just do push-ups and sit-ups. That's all you need to do. And I'm like, dude, I've been lifting for like 10 years. Like, there's no way you can get the results from push-ups when you're lifting. Now, he's, he's crazy. Well, 30 years later, he was right. He's right, you know? yeah. Well, uh, yeah. yeah, My so my routine, I don't actually like lifting. Everybody thinks I do. So I don't, I'm not going to the gym to lift. It's, I run two miles to the gym and then it's 30 minutes of incline walking at, I think I did 2.8 miles an hour. Um, the the guy from the show does, I think, three. So I'm trying to get to that, obviously. And then I do 30 minutes of rowing, which was like five kilometers. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. And then, yeah. and then running two miles back. But I over the Impressive. summer, Aiden and I were doing a few hundred push-ups a day and sit-ups and stuff. And I think I'm, I'll probably start doing 100 push-ups every other day or something. That's awesome. Off. That's great. More than I can do. That's great. But yeah. Yeah, that uh, sounds like a great workout. Yeah. yeah. My issue is definitely the diet. I, I got to work on that more for sure. But, um, well, it's tough in the environment you're in. If you go in the, the food hall, um, you know, yeah. you're going to give you don't know how to cook anything. So, so many... <laughs> I don't know how to cook. That's anything. important. That's I mean, another issue. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's another thing, you know, that, you know, no one, well, I shouldn't say no one, but you know, we, we're not, we weren't brought up. I wasn't brought up to cook, you know, it was like, you know, just buy the food and go to restaurants, you know, and um, you know, yeah wasn't like before world war ii when that wasn't an option people had to go to the store every day and cook you know yeah. um, do you know what the blue zones are in the world the blue zones the blue zones are certain areas around the world where uh the average person will probably live to be 100 like there's there's they're, they're in asia there's one in italy um <laughs> eastern europe there's actually one in california and it's just these these little cities and towns where people live a long life on average right and they've gone in and they studied these these towns and understand why and it's you know they move regularly you know, not necessarily exercise but they work manually they have a strong family unit right they have a strong family you know friends around them they don't uh they eat you know basically the mediterranean diet they eat like a natural diet for the most part and they, they don't drink heavily right um and those are the key things so, you know, if you eat the right things, if you have a good support system, you move regularly, you know, um, you'll, you know, you'll be better off, right? Um, but, you know, we, I got to work, I got to go to work. So I get up, I have a cup of coffee, I go to the office, I get a McDonald's sandwich for lunch and I go back to the office and I work till 10. I come home and I have, you know, a brownie for dinner before I go to bed and, you know, I do it the next day too, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. just, you know, eat right and, have a good family and friend unit, you know, support system, you know, and just move. I figure the, the more I walk, the longer I'll walk, you know, that's yeah. my motto. That's a good motto. Yeah.
Yeah, I think that I think that's good. That was like an hour fifteen minutes, so perfect. But so I don't know. I, if, I could talk a dog off a meat wagon. Just get me going. <laughs> we should make a shirt with that quote on it. That one. <laughs> That'll be good. Um, so you have to pay my mother. I think it's my mother's line. All right, I will. I will. Do you know how we end? Have you have you listened to the ending before? Have I no? I, mean, okay. I think I listened to a couple of them, but I didn't get to the end. Okay, so I'll I'll go, and this has been, or and that's been, and then we all together say easily annoyed. Okay. Gotcha. You ready? You should have probably told me that before you started recording. You know, so then I would have just went right into he it. Does. Just, what he does. You we may should. want to make a note of that. Well, that that's what we've done every time, though. We always talk about it because sometimes people find my editor. <laughs> it will usually mess up, but we'll figure it out. But yeah, you ready? It's easily annoyed. That's what I'm saying. Easily yeah. Annoyed. yeah. All right. And that's been easily, easily annoyed. annoyed. <laughs> Evan, how are you off? Awesome?